This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Women's Leadership Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Isabel Choi, Director of Research and Clinical Director at New York Proton Center. Dr. Choi, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me and for this opportunity to speak with you. Before we dive into the questions, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your career journey? Oh, yes, I'm happy to. So um, as you mentioned, I hold these uh, roles at the New York Proton Center, Director of Research and Clinical Director. I'm also a radiation oncologist at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Um, I specialize in the treatment of breast cancer, also in proton therapy and gastrointestinal malignancies. Um, just to provide a little bit more background about where I am today, uh, the New York Proton Center is essentially an advanced oncology center in New York City um, that was oper- is operated by a partnership of three large healthcare providers in New York, um, including Memorial Sloan Kettering, Mount Sinai, and Montefiore Medical Center. Um, And for those who aren't as familiar with proton therapy yet, uh, this is a targeted form of radiation that spares patients from from receiving excess radiation dose to non-target tissues and organs, and therefore is quite effective in reducing side effects and improving health outcomes for our patients with a really diverse range of cancer types. Um, We started treating in August 2019 and uh, already treats some of the most complex and largest case mix of patients of any proton center nationally and internationally. Um, And really the impetus for our center was um, to develop it as a consortium model because uh, it is quite complex and expensive to to develop a proton center. So um, that's why three otherwise quite competitive New York City providers recognize it being the best interest of both the patients and the New York City Oncology community to have a single site uh, to treat these really complex patients um, who would benefit from our technology. Well, fantastic. It sounds like there's a lot going on there, so I'm excited to jump into our conversation. Uh, what do you see as being some of the biggest challenge for uh, women leaders today in healthcare? That's a great question. Um, medicine in general, and really particularly in my field of radiation oncology, still remains very much a male-dominated field and industry. Um, and at the end of the day, women do need to work harder to succeed in medicine. We have to excel not only at our jobs, but also combat and rise above the, some of the deeply ingrained biases and assumptions that we face based on our gender and really every step of the way. Um, there, I do think that there's a a very gradual trend of change and in the makeup of the field, which is encouraging, but we can't expect that anything is really going to happen overnight. Um, Women are still pretty underrepresented in a lot of our medical specialties, and seeing this shift is going to take some time, effort, and purposeful change in the mindset and behaviors of really everybody involved. Um, But fortunately, there have been a number of of brilliant female colleagues in my field who have begun the work to blaze a path for the rest of us and demonstrated crucial leadership in the field to advance the work that we do. Um, Quinn Lee, Daphne Hudskogan, Nancy Lee, Sue Yam, Lisa Kashnick, just to name a few, they've really been females who have risen to positions in our field and given us the hope that someday women in leadership will be the rule rather than the exception. Um, I think another challenge that uh, almost all women who work and choose to have children face is how to achieve that balance of continued career development and growth while raising a family, and importantly, raising a family the way you want to raise them. 
especially in academic medicine where the demands are seemingly never-ending and, and what it takes to advance can easily be a 24-7 job, finding a way to make it all happen can be difficult, um, but it is a balance. It doesn't necessarily, I think, have to be an either-or, um, and I do think you can excel at both. Um, it takes some creativity and some planning, and doing both can be tough, and you can expect that you know, we will have to make some sacrifices along the way, either professionally or personally, which can be difficult, but um, it can be done. I'm early along in my journey of having a family, um, but I do have many female colleagues who um, have shown me um, and exemplified for me that, that having a family and having an academic career, while maybe challenging, can, can definitely be achieved. Um, and I guess the last thing I'll speak to is more on a day-to-day -day basis is kind of the consistent microaggressions based on gender that women still face. Um, I know from my own standpoint um, and experience since my early days of medical school and training and even continuing on through today when I hold multiple leadership positions and haven't been in the field for quite some time, people still make assumptions about me based on my gender and treat me differently from a male physician who might be standing right next to me. And this comes from everyone from patients, staff, and even colleagues. So, uh, you know, along the way, building a thicker skin and learning how to largely ignore these behaviors and even learning how to approach them with humor has been really crucial to me to be able to rise above the, these kind of deeply ingrained biases we're surrounded by in society and media still. Um, and also, I've, I've had to learn how to maintain my voice, even in the face of bias, and not shrink myself in response to these microaggressions, but instead rise to the challenge. And that has also helped me to keep growing and progressing in my career. Well, that's really interesting to hear, Dr. Choi, and especially following up on that last thing you mentioned in terms of the microaggressions, how do you approach different situations um, with different constituencies, whether it's patients or peers or other physicians, um, and how do you decide which uh, types of behaviors and microaggressions to address and in, in which, you know, how you're going to react differently to them? Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting and good question. So, you know, I encounter these microaggressions in some way, shape, or form almost every day. And I think over and um, I think over time you expect that as you kind of rise up in your career that maybe, you know, this will stop happening as much as you maybe get older or more established in your career. But I've actually found that not so much to be the case and actually sometimes even more pronounced in kind of the higher level um, situations that I've encountered. So, you know, I think what, so, you know, something to kind of accept along the way is that these aren't going to go away. You know, you can't change society. You can't change people's backgrounds and the way that people are brought up and what we're surrounded in with me social media and media every single day. So instead, I think kind of not embracing it, but understanding it, and it helps to kind of keep your poise and understand how you want to react in these situations. So understanding I'm not going to change anybody's mind or anybody's thinking, how can I, how can I adapt myself and respond to that situation? Um, and I think what I've tried to do, whether it's patients or colleagues or, or whomever it is, is just respond with humor. Um, you know, with a smile, with good humor, because, you know, if I take offense every time, if I become defensive, 
in some ways that kind of almost solidifies in their mind that, you know, I'm having some type of a female reaction to it. So instead, I try to joke back um, a lot, as long as, you know, I don't identify it as being something that's malicious or a personal attack or something like that. And I think responding in humor also highlights to them that, you know, oh, this is something that they did or said based on my gender that maybe they shouldn't have or, and, you know, make, helps them to recognize, oh, you know, that's, that maybe was an off-color or gender-based comment to make. Um, but we're still kind of maintaining a good relationship along the way. Um, if it's something that I feel the undercurrents is something um, more sinister going on that needs to be addressed, I think that could negatively impact a peer or something, then I, I probably would make the decision to face a little bit more head-on. But in general, um, you know, picking every fight is not the way to go, I think, on this issue. And, um, you know, finding a, a positive way to highlight the issue and manage it, um, I think, goes uh, further than something, a, a more negative response. Absolutely. I, I think that's a great perspective. Now, I'm wondering, on the flip side, obviously, in the clinical setting, there's one thing, but what is it like to grow a business today, both just in general as well as, you know, as a, a female leader? Um, yeah, that's another good question. Well, first of all, it is a lot of work. Um, but I think that whenever you're approaching any new center, institution, or business, the first thing I really did was to identify the culture that I wanted to have at my institution and to commit to it, and, and importantly, to exemplify it. Um, at NYPC, the culture I believe in and I try to identify in every clinical employee that I hire is one of respect, diligence, reliability, and commitment to only providing the absolute best patient care at our center. Um, I also think in starting a new institution, it's also important to remain very flexible. Um, things are constantly evolving and changing. Unexpected things are happening on a daily basis. And being able to quickly adapt to those changing environments will allow you to grow into the challenge instead of kind of slamming on the brakes every time you run into one of these challenges or obstacles. Um, and on that note, in these situations, collaborative problem solving, I found, is really the key to addressing these issues. Um, they're always going to happen, but working as a team uh, and alongside your team to develop solutions is going to help you to push past those challenges and come out stronger on the other side. And um, cultivating strong culture of teamwork helps Ultimately, in a lot of ways, one, it brings out the best in each individual. Um, it allows them to grow and feel more invested in the company and it takes the weight off of any one person or any one division's shoulders. Um, but the last 15 months at NYPC with the pandemic has really tested some of these concepts that I put into place, along with our abilities and strengths as leaders, um, with our ability to cope with change and remain very flexible. Uh, NYPC has had to continuously evolve, as many businesses have, modify and then modify again our workflows, safety protocols, and policies. Um, we also found that communication with the staff has been key, along with finding ways to stay connected with the staff in a setting of increased working from home and providing resources, whether it's IT, mental or emotional support, or professional support that is needed to keep treating our patients 
to the degree of excellence that um, you know I expect from the center. Um, and we were able ultimately to keep the center open throughout the pandemic and treat patients. And now today, I think we've shown that we can come out stronger on the other side. That's fantastic to hear. Um, and uh, before we wrap up our conversation, what advice do you have for women leaders who are just embarking on their careers? I guess a few pieces of advice um, that I have found valuable in my own career is one, to find advocates and mentors for yourself, both male you know, and female, who will be vocal for you in promoting you in your career and seeking out people with a dedicated interest in you and helping to advance your trajectory. Um, I've also learned that taking baby steps and appreciating the accomplishments of any advances, no matter how small, and using those small successes to give you the energy to move on to the next challenge has been important. Um, I think that the big wins are the cherry on top, but it's the little wins that are gonna get you through from day to day. Um, we always hear from the very beginning of our training that becoming a physician is a marathon and not a race. And this really stands true and holds true even for postgraduate career building. Um, reminding myself that taking one step at a time is gonna get me there. And still having that big picture goal in mind for reference has been important, but really looking at the tasks I have at hand that should be the focus, my focus you know, on any given day. Um, and speaking a little bit to what we were talking about earlier is I, I think you know, being able to identify the battles you can win and the ones you can't. And if you come up against someone or something that's really just not gonna budge or respond to you the way maybe they should, or maybe it's at least in part because of your gender or inherent biases, even though it may not be fair or right, and it may ultimately become extra work for you, just trying to get creative and find a different path around that obstacle instead of getting stuck and frustrated um, has also been a lesson learned. Um, and the final thing I think I'll say is um, somewhat related. I think it's important to learn how to read the room, um, knowing your peers, finding your allies, and always carrying yourself with professionalism, strength, patience and calm whenever possible, because ultimately women are simply still held to different standards, and the same behavior in a woman is taken and perceived differently than when it comes from a man, and that is still a fact today, at, and at least in medicine, um, I think the quicker you can learn this and adapt without compromising your identity, of course, uh, the faster you'll get to the top and hopefully begin to affect some real change for, for future women. Dr. Choi, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion, and I'm excited to speak with you again in the future. Thank you so much for having me.